You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Hello, Bills Mafia. It is Tuesday night. A little bit of a curveball thrown at you. I know we usually go on Wednesday, but I got uh, something I got to take care of tomorrow night. So we moved it up a day. And it, Brian, it kind of felt like a, a fitting way to do it this week, only because it's been so many days since the last show. Obviously, the, the, the Thursday game, so much happened on Sunday that I feel like we have to get into all of that. There's Odell Beckham Jr. There is... Some, some some bills, news, and notes. So a ton to get into here tonight. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well, Matt. Uh, ready to talk some Bills football. You're right, it's been a long uh, gap in between our shows here because the Bills playing back-to-back Thursdays between Thanksgiving and then obviously Thursday night against the Patriots. So uh, getting ready for some more football here in the near future. Uh, if you're getting ready for to make some money, Head over to uh, Tops Friendly Markets, uh, topsmarkets.com slash red zone, and you can enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. For more information, like I said, topsmarkets.com slash red zone. Uh, quick shout out at the top here. Uh, my friend Heather, I coach her a little guy. I've coached her a little guy in uh, in baseball. Uh, little, she's got this awesome company and she she gave me this uh, hoodie, Buffalo or Nowhere. Uh, it's a cool concept. They do a lot of different Buffalo specific uh, concepts. Um, I think Bills fans and, and Buffalonians are always looking for new and fun takes on, uh, on Buffalo specific apparel and they got a, a great collection over there. So uh, I wanted to show her some love, uh, and we are going to get into everything tonight, Ryan. Where do you want to start? Whew. Uh, well, you know what? Let's start with uh, the outcome of Sunday's games and how it really could not have worked out any better for the Bills. Yeah, and going in, like you, you have the you start off with the checklist, right? Like, okay, Jets at one o'clock, Dolphins, San Francisco at four o five, and then the Chiefs. Uh, Bengals at 425 and by the end of the night you're sitting there as a Bills fan looking at the standings and they're number one in the AFC and it's a whole new world of opportunity but I think the 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 real like important thing to talk about here Ryan is that this isn't some cakewalk now to the to the one seed in the AFC the Bills have to play you know part two and part three of the AFC East gauntlet the next couple weeks the Jets and the Dolphins then you have a Cincinnati Bengals team in week 17, that is looking all kinds of tough, all of a sudden knocking off the Chiefs in pretty impressive fashion. So 
the Chiefs have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. The Bills have to probably win out um, to guarantee themselves the number one seed. What say you, Ryan, in terms of how this could potentially play out for the Bills and how likely it is for them to get the one seed? How likely it is? I, I don't know if it's very likely. If I'm being honest, based on the ups and downs we've seen from this team this year, while everything went really well on Sunday, the first thought I had is if I was a Bills fan, I'd be sitting there saying, man, uh, if this team didn't blow that game to the Vikings, if they would have just come out and, and played a little bit better against the Jets, then they really would be in the proverbial driver's seat. But you said it. They have a tough slate of games. They still have the Jets again this weekend. They have a Dolphins matchup at home. They have the uh, the Bengals late in the season, a, a Bengals team that's playing as good as anyone. And, and even, you know, the Chicago Bears, I, I know that they're not in the same class as the Bengals or even the Dolphins, uh, but they really started to figure things out with Justin Fields. The offense is a lot more explosive uh, than it once was earlier in the year. That won't be an easy game on Christmas Eve. So, it's a really tough schedule, like you said. The Chiefs, it looks like a cakewalk on paper. I think that the Raiders, who are playing a better brand of football as well, could give them some challenges. Uh, those divisional opponents are always tough. The Raiders always play them pretty tough as well. But for the most part, you like that the schedule of the Chiefs a lot more than the Bills. That said, it's in any given Sunday league, Matt. We've already seen the Chiefs uh, lose to a bad Colts team this year, so it's not a sure thing that the chiefs went out, but their schedule is certainly more favorable than Buffalo's. Something that I don't think I was tracking as much on Sunday with all the other activity. And we'll get to the, the dolphins in a minute. Cause I want to spend some time talking about them with that matchup looming here in two weeks was how important that Raiders game really was for the bills. And you, you didn't think about that going in because it was two AFC West teams that have, you know, been kind of disappointing. And, you know, who knows if they're going to even be uh, in the playoff picture later on in the season. But a win for the Raiders kept them in the hunt. Right. And they've been playing better football over the, over the course of the last month. And if you want to have them up for that last week uh, game against the Chiefs, you want them to be fighting for a playoff spot. And they play, you, you make a great, great point. They've played the Chiefs really tough in years past. And I think, you know, it took some time. They have unbelievable weapons. And what we saw on Sunday against the Chiefs is that really good talent at the receiver position. Could You could find some success against the Chiefs. And I think what we're starting to also see with the Chiefs sidebar here is that the realization that when in doubt, they don't just have Tyreek Hill to kind of look to offensively. And I think that they struggled in that game because a, the Cincinnati Bengals at times were dropping eight players and they were really strategic with how they were rushing Patrick Mahomes, which by the way, late in that game, how egregious is it to have Patrick Mahomes suffer a sack when the Bengals rushed three in a gotta have it moment, but not having that speed out there that you have to fear they have a bunch of players that have some speed. I mean, Sky Morse, Valdez Gantley made a play down the field. Uh, Pacheco is really coming into his own, I feel like. But none of it, like, scares you. And so if you could take Kelsey out of the game, which I think they did for the most part, uh, or they did as good a job as anybody has on them, they become very much a beatable team unless Patrick Mahomes goes into superhero mode. And I thought Joe Burrow just made more plays than him. Yeah, and that's been the story of the last three matchups. Burrow and company have made more plays. Regular season, AFC Championship, and then this uh, game this past Sunday. The the Bengals have won three straight against the Chiefs. Uh, you look at the Bills, they've won two out of the last three against the Chiefs. Obviously, the, the big one being that playoff match that the Chiefs won. But you're looking at a Kansas City team that's being viewed as the, you know, the favorite, I suppose, to come out of the AFC. 
and they're one in five in their past six matchups against those two teams. Uh, is it going to be the Bills or the Bengals or the Chiefs? No, there can always be another surprise team. But right now, you said it. The Chiefs have some questions that they need to really answer down the stretch. They need to uh, be ready come playoff time for a Bengals type of team, for a Bills team that can come in there and beat them. Or if it's in Buffalo, if the Bills take care of business and went out, uh, it'll be a very interesting layer to add on to the storylines for sure. I think Anthony uh, Fashano, uh, Fashana in the YouTube comments, uh, as long as Buffalo wins the AFC East, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, them whoop on KC in their house. He says, I ain't scared. Listen, I don't think that they're a team that's to be feared as much anymore without Tyreek Hill. I think that's the big piece of it for me. And defensively, they can still make some plays, but I thought their secondary you know, wrote a lot of uh, check, uh, their, their mouths wrote a lot of checks that, uh, their play couldn't cash on Sunday. I mean, Justin Reed got taken to task and he's still out there on Twitter. I mean, I wonder how that plays in the locker room. Like, ah, I didn't get beat even though that we lost, like I'd be looking at that dude, like, dude, close your mouth and play some defense. By the way, Justin Reed's a safety. Like he's not even like the one responsible for locking down T Higgins and, and, um, just Jamar chase and all their play Tyler Boyd. And those boys had a nice game and were the reason, uh, a big reason why they won. They've also unlocked Samaje Pirine, who, by the yeah. way, with the way that he's run the ball the last couple of weeks, it, it kind of makes you think Zach Taylor's probably in his own brain just celebrating this kind of revival for, for Pirine. Because if you remember, he put him in late in the game over Mixon. Uh, that was a, a call in the Super Bowl that a lot of people we're questioning like why have him in the game late uh and, and he's a guy that's showing that he can make plays and he's he's a bit of a bruiser he had over 100 yards of total offense against the chiefs and that's unlocking a whole new play because it's funny right mixon is, has been one of the weirdest players in the nfl over the course of his career he's been somebody that's always been a guy that i feel like people have been waiting to see more from and i feel like this all of a sudden impact that p ryan's making is really super interesting for them it'll be interesting I don't know the the long term prognosis on Mixon, but if he's not able to come back, they seem to be in good hands. Yeah, they, they have a lot of mouths to feed, but they feed all those mouths well. And you mentioned all the weapons they have at wide receiver. He, you know, the only player that really stopped Ty- Tyler Boyd on Sunday was Tyler Boyd dropping a touchdown yeah. that was put right in his uh, right in the perfect spot and, and just wide open drops. So that game could have been uh, even more out of hand at the end of the game than than what it was. Not that it was out of hand at the end, but. The, the uh, Chiefs couldn't stop them on a third and 11. It wouldn't have had to be in that type of situation, possibly, if, if uh, that touchdown's made. They definitely have the personnel to defeat the Chiefs. It'll be interesting to see how they match up with the Bills uh, late in the regular season because every team, in terms of how they match up against one another, is different. Uh, so the, that one is definitely circled, I think, on everyone's calendar as a must-watch game here down the stretch of the season. Also, I was thinking about it while you were saying that the fourth and one that they had deep at the end of the first half, uh, the Bengals, when they ran that uh, jet sweep and he got tackled for a loss, like they, they they go in there and they score a touchdown there. You're talking about a 17 point runaway win for the Bengals. So they really, really just dominated that game. And so, yeah, I think that I guess law, this is our long winded way of saying that I think the Bengals have entered the chat. I think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They went on the road and won in Kansas City in the playoffs last year, something that the Bills still have to prove they can do in the playoffs. But I agree with you, Anthony. I think that this is a Chiefs team that's very beatable, whether it be at Arrowhead, whether it be in Buffalo. And I think you want to try to do your best. It's going to be tough to win all three of those games, the Jets, the, the Dolphins, and the um, 
Bengals. That, that, that is a huge ask. And you figure the Patriots are probably out of the mix by the end of the season. And who knows if, you know, what's going on at their quarterback spot and, and everything else, you know, Bill Belichick coming out this week and saying, well, it's just, we're too late in the season to do a scheme change. Even <laughs> if, you know, even if things have just absolutely gone to hell in our offense, because I hired a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach to fight it out, to figure out who's going to lead our first round draft pick of a quarterback. I mean, Listen, Bill Belichick has written a lot of books over the course of his career, Ryan Talbot, but his his final chapter might be how not to develop a young rookie quarterback. Yeah, and you know, almost extreme loyalty and how that can hurt you, and or maybe almost like blind you in a way. Bringing back Matt Patricia, you know, time and time again. Bringing back Joe Judge. Um, he had Josh McDaniels there for a long time. He had that inner circle of coaches that. Even if they go out and they fail on their own, he brings them back and he, you know, he changes the roles around. This is not a good situation in in New England. You can see that the short passing game didn't work against Buffalo. You can see that Mac Jones, uh, from a statistical <laughs> perspective, has really taken a step back in year two. And I think some of that was the you know the McDaniel's effect. He he really schemed things open for a young Jones as a rookie. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the talent of Jones on its own. And now that he doesn't have that uh, playmaker that can scheme or, or play designer, I should say, that can scheme guys open, he's really struggling this year. And the Patriots offense as a whole is really struggling. Somebody who struggled for most of Sunday was Tua Tagovailoa for the first time playing like a legitimate, legitimate defense, like a top tier, top five defense. I know. I think he played. Uh, did they play the Patriots? Uh, early. I think it was week one. Right. So before oh, that's, that's I, a tough one. Always yeah. feel out, period. Yeah, and that was the first look at that offense with no tape, with with um, Tyreek Hill in the mix. And, I mean, really, it wasn't even, like, explosive, explosive. I mean, it ended up being 20-7, to 7, Dolphins win, Tua with 270 and a touchdown. He was very – the thing about Tua that's been interesting, for as dynamic as that offense has looked at times – his touchdown numbers aren't don't they don't blow you away. I mean, he's going to probably finish the season under 30 touchdowns in an offense that has a record-breaking receiver in Tyreek Hill and a and a complimentary piece who you I think you can make an argument is the best number 2 wide receiver in the NFL. And but what I think what you saw on Sunday is that when you're not getting the rack against good defenses who get to the ball carrying tackle outside of that Sheffield uh yeah, um, touchdown touch, oh my yards. gosh. That was that was a joke. And I think that was just like a just a, a right place, right time, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And then, you know, he he got to the outside. That was a nice play by him. Is it is it Sheffield? Is it Sheriff? How do, how do you pronounce uh, his last name? I was actually just thinking the same thing. Sure. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna get it wrong if I just guess right now off the top of my head, but 75 yards to the house. He caught it. Uh, what is it? Sheerfield. Sheerfield. Okay. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> oh, I love that. Dumb and dumber. Boom. Um, no. So with, with the Dolphins, one, Tua showed that he can still be rattled if, if you hit him, if you can get pressure on him. He had some guys that were wide open in that game that he just sailed the ball over their heads. He was throwing it behind them. Uh, he had a few uh, plays that probably could have gone for interceptions if it wasn't for really good plays by Tyree Kill to come back and uh, make an adjustment on a ball that was thrown behind him and, and things of that nature. I know another one was later intercepted uh, that he tipped up in the air, but that's kind of the way it goes. But, you know, as a whole, Matt, I thought, boy, if the 49ers want, or if the 49ers, I'm sorry, if the Dolphins want to silence some critics, go defeat the 49ers, 
Uh, and then it's going to be really little to say. And then, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with the injury. And I said, OK, well, people will have an excuse if, if the Dolphins go out and win this game. But then they can't go out and beat Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant 2022 is just in there standing in the pocket, taking shots, but delivering accurate passes uh, to George Kittle, to Brandon Ayuk, to uh, Debo Samuel and company utilizing Christian McCaffrey properly. This guy looked like a seasoned veteran. He didn't, you know, he wasn't blowing the world away with his, his play, but he was making the smart plays, making the smart reads. And the fact that the dolphins couldn't come up in that scenario It's going to just make those voices louder in terms of can they win the big games when they matter? Can they win a game this upcoming week against a Chargers team that needs to be in desperation mode at this point if they want uh, to hang on and claim one of those wild card spots? The Dolphins are out on the West Coast again. I believe the plan was for them to stay out there all week. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. see if that affects them at all in terms of not being at home, being away from their loved ones for that period of time, not practicing on their fields so on and so forth. And, you know, the Chargers are a very up-and-down team, more downs than up, so I think the Dolphins can win that game, but then can they win in Buffalo in the cold weather? If they can't beat the 49ers and they can't beat the Bills, then we're sitting here looking at a team that is doing what they should do when you have all that talent and you're playing a third-place schedule. Uh, you're taking advantage of weak opponents. You're winning the games you're supposed to, sometimes not in impressive fashion. Go back to the Pittsburgh games. I think that one was 16-10. to 10. They, uh, the Lions game was a close one. And listen, the, the Bills played the Lions in a close game, too. I'm just kind of and the, the Bears, so on and so forth. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to right now. But what's that wow win for them? Uh, was it the comeback against the Ravens? Maybe I wouldn't even count the Bills game because of all the injuries, the heat, the mistakes the Bills made in that game. So right now, I still have a lot of questions about how legitimate the Dolphins are. Plus, I mean, they, you made the perfect point. They're, they're facing Brock Purdy. I mean, for that defense that went out and gave up significant assets to bring in Bradley Chubb, hmm. for them to allow him to have as much success as he had in that game, and there were plenty of plays where you know he he made that you know he'd love to tell you in the words of Sean McDermott he'd like those back, but he still went out there. He he threw two touchdown passes. He moved the ball. He he kept the 49ers in the game in in a situation where you know it could have been too big for a lot of people, and I, I so. From a Dolphins perspective, I think you look at that and you're you're very concerned because the offenses, specifically the quarterbacks that you're going to face in the next two weeks, are of a caliber of a – it's a horse of a different color now as you face Justin Herbert this week and then Josh Allen, obviously. But the thing about um, the Chargers, though, you look at their and, – and for this upcoming week's matchup, they are not getting to the quarterback this year, Ryan. Like it is their defensive line for as good as their defense is. And I know, and this might be one of the reasons why they're not winning is that, you know, their uh, sacks, their pressure percentage, their quarterback knockdowns, their hurry percentage, they're all among the bottom seven or eight teams in the NFL right now. And that is, it's gotta be unacceptable. You went, you go out and you invest in Khalil uh, Mack bring him in obviously like obviously in the twilight of his career a bit here you pair him with Nick Bosa and it just it doesn't yield the kind of results that I think everybody in across the league thought I mean go back and look at Bucky Brooks's I was just thinking about this today I was going to tweet it but sometimes I don't like when people do that I'm not trying to like dump on Bucky for this but I just I'm more so wanted to highlight how much we don't know in August he put out his top five most talented rosters in August right before the season it was the Chargers one the Saints, two, 
the Bucks three, the Packers four, and the Chiefs obviously a five. Listen, I don't think we saw a lot of these things coming, but I was a little bit dubious about the Chargers just knowing the fact that this is a team that has not won anything yet. They've never made the playoffs. And I think, I don't know if you'd say Herbert's regressed this year, but he's not lifted that team high enough to be better than they are. So yeah, Max Stacks it makes a great point here. But yeah, I, I think that they're a desperate team, the Chargers. I think they're going to give this part of the schedule is just going to be really brutal for the Dolphins. How do they handle staying out of the West Coast? How do they handle the questions that are now coming up in press conferences? Everything was lovey-dovey. Everything was golden for weeks and weeks and weeks. The Mike McDaniel train is, you know, we talked about him on this show. I mean, he's he's really captivated the NFL universe. And now it's going to be how do you respond after, you know, really getting beat up in that game? Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, with the Chargers and just the NFL in general, it is always interesting to look back because we don't know. There was another NFL analyst that had uh, the the uh, Broncos as their their Super Bowl pick for the ah, AFC, yes. and you, you look at that and it's like, oh man, that you know could not have been more off the market. Might have been Charles Davis. I can't remember for sure, and I don't want to be a hundred. I'm not a hundred percent positive on that. So, but one of the the big NFL analysts kind of picked that. And when it comes to the Chargers, the Chargers have all the talent in the world on both sides of the ball. Uh, they just never seem to be able to put it all together. You mentioned Bosa. You mentioned uh, Khalil Mack. Uh, they they brought in J.C. Jackson, obviously. One, it wasn't working out before the injury. And then, two, he's not playing right now. Uh, but then the wide receivers, Austin Eckler, uh, just a ton of talent on the roster. So maybe this is the week that they do figure some things out. Uh, I know that the Dolphins are supposed to get some reinforcements back on their offensive line, but I still think that's, uh, matchup that the Chargers can win, even though they, they've been uh, underwhelming in terms of getting after the quarterback. I think this could be a game where they could rattle Tua a little bit. It's going to be one of the more interesting matchups to watch on Sunday. All right, let's shift gears here. I know we've talked ad nauseum about Odell Beckham Jr. And to be honest with you, just watching the charade, is that what it's been over the last four or five days? You know, Odell coming into Buffalo, Darian Bryan, the unbelievable chef, personal chef of Stefan Diggs and, and, and Von Miller was gracious enough to kick, cook him up a four course meal, sharing the menu on social media. Very cool. Uh, he did his thing in, in Buffalo. He's now been, gone on to Dallas and we've all saw the videos of him going to the Dallas Mavericks game and getting the full court press out there. But Ryan, there's been some reports here. Things are getting interesting. And I think the way that you look at this, which which lens you use, is, is very interesting. Uh, reports are that you know Jerry Jones, who said on his own uh, radio show that um, he's obviously concerned about coming off the injury and it's no guarantee that they're going to sign him. And then there's reports coming out that the, the, there, there are concerns about whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. can play this season. And the Cowboys have those concerns. Now, there's one side of this that, you know, folks talking about, well, maybe is that the Cowboys putting that out because they don't feel like they're uh, in final consideration. I will say this, listening to Josh Allen today on the Kyle Brandt podcast, listening to Sean McDermott on the Rich Eisen show, they seem very comfortable with how the weekend went. And to me, that, that can mean one of two things. Number one, they're confident in the job they did selling what it meant. Like Josh Allen talked about, you know, telling them what it would mean to the city of Buffalo if you were to come here and help them win a Super Bowl. And he was into that, right? And then also them believing in, without a workout, what they what he told them, being comfortable with what he'll be able to do once he does get back out on the field. 
it seems like they're really comfortable with all of this and, and, and maybe they're comfortable even if he decides to go somewhere else, right? Yeah, and it's going to come down to every team's medical staff. They all looked at the medicals. Um, he didn't work out for any teams, but it wouldn't shock me if there was maybe some video of him working out on his own or with a trainer uh, that they could look at. So it's that interesting piece to the to the puzzle, I guess, because there was talk ahead of time about how he's not working out for these teams. Uh, There's a national analyst or reporter that said that they weren't sure that he was going to be able to play this season. That kind of makes this whole three three team tour that much more interesting teams are going at the you know rolling out the red carpet and they're all playoff teams giants not necessarily a real contender this year but a good chance to make the playoffs bills and cowboys in in a spot to legitimately possibly play in the super bowl but if he cannot play this year let's just go from that perspective one takes a little bit of a sh- the shine away from having him come in for these uh, the grand visits, the tour, the facilities, everything, because the Bills are a team that need that help now. They're trying to get over that hump, trying to uh, be able to defeat the Bengals and the Chiefs come playoff time. And I think they can with their roster as is. But they're looking for someone to get them uh, that little extra boost. And, and if it can't be Odell Beckham Jr. this year, why do you want to pay a decent chunk of change, I would think on a multi-year deal. If you have any question marks about him in the knee and you could go into free agency in the off season and uh, compare him to some of these other players that might become available and someone you might like that's healthier, younger, this, that, or the other. So teams have to be careful in terms of what they saw in the medicals, how they feel. Uh, If I'm Buffalo and I feel like he can play this year. Yeah. By all means, throw him an offer for this year. Uh, if you want to throw in a second year, fine, but I'm not trying to go all in on these multi-year deals. Uh, I think the questions are legitimate in terms of can he come back and contribute come playoff time. Yeah, and it's like it's a double-edged sword if you're if you're Odell because if you come back and you don't make any real impact, I think that impacts you as a free agent this offseason. And I think that probably goes more into what you're talking about and him wanting the multi-year deal and but I just don't see a team in the mix that's willing to give that. I don't even know if the Giants are willing to give a multi-year deal. I mean, they're they're going to have to get up, up from out from under the Kenny Galladay deal. And the, with an, uh, the uncertainty around Odell Beckham Jr., that, that flies completely in the face of how Joe Sh- Shane helped build this thing here with Brandon Bean. Right. So at the end of the day, from a player perspective, I think the vibe we get off of all of them, including Stefan Diggs, not Von Miller because he's 100% in the bring him at any cost type of deal. Like that's his boy. That's they, they had a lot of success together. I get it. But I think everybody else, Sean McDermott, most importantly is like, if it happens great, if it doesn't, we're good because there is still a lot of term. They always like to use meat on the bone for this offense. And to me, it starts with getting Gabriel Davis to a place this season before the playoffs to a healthy spot. And maybe you, you look at the schedule and you say, okay, we'll manage this injury. Cause let's be honest. I mean, Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan, uh, great, does a great job with around Buffalo rumblings. He was crushing some tape. I guess his wife went out of town. So he was live and head first into the tape. He put some stuff out on Kyrie Elam and then something on a video on, on Gabe Davis from a route. And you could tell he's still not moving. Right. Right. And we've been talking about this on the show for weeks about just seeing him out on the practice field and not really looking like the same Gabe Davis. He doesn't move the same way. He doesn't cut the same way. And then you see him coming in the locker room. He's got this really thick tape job on his ankle. 
And you, you just know he's not a hundred percent and you, he's playing through it. He's, he's trying to be gritty with it, but this is, this seems like an injury that you could play through. And it's one of those ones, those high ankle sprains that like most of the time, I feel like, especially younger guys, they get to a point in the season where it just, they wake up one day and they turn a corner. And when Gabe Davis turns that corner, I think that's when we'll truly be able to evaluate what he is as wide receiver two in this offense. And there's a lot of other interesting, intriguing pieces. I think McKenzie's shown some bounce back here in the last month. You still have Khalil Shakir, who, the, who they're developing. Who knows if he can make a little rookie season Gabe Davis, late season impact. Like, remember that Colts game a couple of years ago when Gabe Davis, without him, they don't win that game in the playoffs. And then you have maybe Jamison Crowder, who working his way back from that injured ankle, that could be in the mix. We could talk about Marcus Marquez Stevenson, who the Bills cut today, but I think that's with hopes getting him back in the practice squad a lot of different options and i i don't think that they're dead if obj obj can't uh isn't in the mix no and there's still dawson knox at tight end still figuring out how to utilize naheem hines uh tried to run him a little bit this past week it seemed kind of predictable the defense kind of knew what was going to be happening it looked like uh but getting him utilized as a pass catcher there's like you said a lot of meat on the bone and to the bill's credit they're turning a corner in the red zone as well uh I think six touchdowns in their last seven possessions in the red zone. It was a real struggle for them at one point this year. They were toward the bottom third of the league, and now I think they're right there in the middle of the pack. Uh, so if they can figure out those red zone issues that were kind of uh, stopping or stalling out their drives, that's only going to help them. You mentioned Gabe Davis. You know, it's probably not the season thus far that a lot of fans envision. But if you think back to the opener against the Rams, the four for 88 and a score of the game uh, he had against Pittsburgh, he had some big plays in that one. When he's been right, he's looked good. He has not looked right, though. He's been somewhat hampered by this ankle injury, and it's definitely taken a toll on him as a receiver. So you're right. If he turns that corner, if he wakes up and the ankle finally feels right, he can make a, a push run here toward the end of the year and into the playoffs and, and maybe look more like the guy that scored four touchdowns against Kansas City. Uh, T. Dobbs makes the point that, or not T. Dobbs, Walter Scales. Uh, he gets the injury, but that it's not necessarily uh, something that uh, affects him in drop, with, with being one of the leaders in the Bills in drops. And I get that point to a degree. Like th- there's been some drops this year from Davis that have been, I think, uncharacteristic. But I do think that you could say that playing on, a, you know, not at 100% could impact all of that. And I think yeah. there's a good comment in here also, like Allen not really practicing in full the last month or so probably has affected the offense in a lot of different ways. Um, uh, Nick G uh, makes that point here in the in the comments. So there's a lot of different factors, but I want everybody to take a, I know we have like this tendency as sports fans, media to live in the now and live in the what's happening now and maybe forget about the most recent of examples that we can use to kind of explain a lot of these issues that you're you're seeing. Gabe Davis was an afterthought in this offense last year. Like Emmanuel Sanders had taken the role to start the year. Gabe Davis was invisible all year long. But then finally, when Sanders got hurt, he ended up having a game. Then he missed for COVID. And then he came back and then absolutely exploded in KC. It just takes, you know, getting healthy, getting an opportunity. And I think that you'll 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 see Gabe Davis take advantage of that if he's able to be at 100%. He's you don't go out in the playoffs on the biggest stage and have four touchdowns and stink. <laughs> like that, hey, those no. two things yeah. just don't happen. So I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. There's something else going on there. And listen, 
as he's kind of dealt with this thing all season. And I get the frustration with the fact that this ankle issue continues to seem to be a problem for him. He's had, I think, an ankle injury every season of his career in three years. But I just think it's a situation with with Davis that he still produced to a degree while he's been trying to deal with this injury. Six touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at in an offense where Stefan Diggs has dominated and Dawson Knox is underwhelmed as well. And he's the one that just got the big kind of money contract. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 the Knox thing is tough because I think that he's dealing with a lot this season and nobody really knows what it's like to be in inside his helmet, inside his brain. I can't imagine what that must be like. And so it's hard for me, even as somebody that's got to criticize a player when they're not playing well, to hold him to some standard knowing what he's what he's gone through. I mean, there's there's players that might decide to just sit out a season like while they deal with something like this. To lose a brother is just an unbelievable in the way that it happened. But he did sign that contract and the, and the production definitely hasn't been there at that spot. Uh, I know the fans have wanted more targets in that de- in that department, like getting Dawson Knox more heavily involved in the offense. But it's hard to do that for any one of these players, Ryan, when Stefan Diggs is so featured in the offense and it's working so well this year. Yeah, it, it does feel like he's not being utilized, especially in the red zone like he was under Brian Dable, where uh, he was a touchdown scoring machine last year. Uh, but it's the growing pains of learning new offense. It's trying to figure out Ken Dorsey, trying to figure out how to best utilize his players. You mentioned the personal hurdles that uh, Knox is dealing with himself. So there's a lot of reasons for why his struggles may be occurring, but just like Gabe Davis, just like hopefully what the bills uh, hope to see out of Naheem Hines, what they saw out of James cook this past week, they're hoping that as time goes on, uh, these players, whether it's because they're rookies or they're new to the offense, they're dealing with injuries or dealing with other issues that uh, by by the time when it's meaningful football, they're all playing their best football. The most meaningful time of the year for some is Christmas season and tis the season to save on groceries and all of your holiday gifts. Christmas bonus is underway at Tops Friendly Markets. Shop at Tops, save $10 at all of your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list. Don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts like toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. That new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. For a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. So interesting conundrum that we have at Christmas time in our house. Um, not to get too far down the rabbit hole of personal details and everything like that, but mm-hmm. my wife and I have a joint bank account, right? And we also have a, like a joint Amazon account. How do you kind of tiptoe around that when you're both checking all of that all the time because you're doing all these things? Like I've had to have like my mother-in-law do some things, my sister-in-law do some things. And then you're just like, you're moving. Like I, I'm going to houses with big, big envelopes of money. And uh, it, it's a wild Christmas season this year as we kind of every year, really, as we try to kind of navigate all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm a terrible shopper in terms of going out and shopping. And uh, my wife did send me her Amazon wish list. But you're right. If I start ordering things off of that, all she has to do is go and look and be like, oh, this was taken off. This was taken off the list. <laughs> She's going to know that myself or someone else in the family ended up getting it for her because she has shared it with some of her siblings right. as well. But it, it definitely uh, adds a different layer to it. But then again, at least I know I'm getting her stuff that she wants rather than uh, leaving it in my hands and, you know, 
God bless her if that was the case where I had to go out and, and pick out some of these items with uh, no sense of direction because she'd probably get some things that maybe I'd hit on, but a lot of things I probably would not. I'm excited about this year's. I think it's going to be a real smashing Christmas for my wife. And she's earned it. She's done, you know, she, she puts up with me all year long. So there you go. <laughs> Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move into uh, some other conversation. We're going to bring in uh, AJ here shortly. But before we do, I want to talk about a little bit more about this cornerback situation and what you expect moving forward. Because when we talked on Thursday after the game, you know, I, I, I put out a, a theory, right? We were talking so much about that um, rookie wall and maybe that being something where that they wanted to manage um, whatever happened. We heard from... We heard from Leslie Frazier yesterday, and I thought it was going to be interesting to hear what he had to say, because usually when you talk to Sean McDermott about these things, he only kind of takes you to a certain point before he kind of opens up the curtain, if you will. Uh, So he was asked about that (laughs) decision not to play Kyrie Elam. Leslie Frazier said that was a tough one, and that had as much to do with special teams as being the defensive backfield. With Dame being kind of iffy, we would have liked to have had Kyrie available because of the numbers. It really didn't work out that way. Now, I'd have to take a deeper dive into what kind of availability they needed at special teams, and I haven't done that, so that's on me. I apologize. But it seems like a little bit strange. Like I still feel like it was one of those situations where it was just a luxury with wanting to get a larger look at Xavier Rhodes, which he said, Frazier added that as well. And that's what Sean McDermott said. That made a lot of sense. Like, okay, this was going to be the Xavier Rhodes game. This is not a good defense or offense, um, not a dangerous passing game. So put Xavier Rhodes in the game and see how he plays. And if you had Dane Jackson available to you, sure. I get that. Like he's still a more trusted piece as much as he struggled against CB ones, but you were putting Trey White in a, in, in, a, in a more pronounced role. So that all makes a lot of sense, but it also doesn't at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if Dane Jackson is iffy, why wouldn't you then maybe sit him out and let Kyrie Elam be active? Is it because you're worried that he might have to take on a bigger role in game? If uh, you're worried about the amount of snaps that Trey White has to play, or if road struggles, Elam was fresh back from an injury. He wasn't on the injury report. He wasn't if he, and listen, Dane Jackson, when he was on the field, played well last week. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Dane Jackson. He looked more comfortable in that reserve role, that rotational role. 
but this is your first round pick. And, you know, you just mentioned uh, five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, Mark was Stevenson getting cut. And again, that was a day three guy. Um, but these draft picks need to be very valuable to you when you are a Super Bowl contender, uh, when you're a team that's on the cusp of perhaps winning it all because you have that window before things get really expensive and it's starting to get there for the bills with the contracts that they've doled out. So if you know you have reservations about Kyrie Elam or if you can't get him on the field uh, at this point of the year, it still raises a little bit of a red flag to me. I, I heard their reasoning. I somewhat get it. Uh, it's a numbers game, but you would like to think that they could have found a, a spot for their first round draft pick. This isn't a seventh round guy in a, a UDFA. This was their first pick in the 2022 draft, and he's healthy, and it's one of the most important positions on the defense, and you couldn't find a jersey for him on game day. It, it just, I don't know, I still have so many questions about it that we won't get the answers to. The Bills are very good at uh, saying a lot of words, but not really giving anything up at the same time. Will I, I guess our best answer will be down the stretch here and how he's how he plays, how he's utilized these snap counts uh, that he receives. But if Rhodes and White end up being the one-two pairing, by all means, let them play the majority of the reps. But you need to get this role uh, for your rookie because any reps that he can get are going to be meaningful for this year, for 2023 and beyond. And and you can't keep holding on to guys like Rhodes and hoping that they can be a number two guy for you or uh, what they've done. You know, Le- Levi Wallace was always battling a veteran every year, year in, year out. You got to take the training wheels off at some time and put Kyrie Elam in there and let him try to take over that role and assume that role. I get the special teams idea. I think if you're if you're talking about activating Kyrie Elam, would then take away potentially somebody that could contribute and, and Elam, there wasn't really a big plan for him to have a lot of games or snaps in that game. So I, I understand that piece of it for sure. The, the message, and I agree with you, like the message that it sends to, to me is, is one of those things, but Trey white started 16 games. Great. Scott Allen started 15 or 14 games his rookie season. He missed a couple in there, maybe, maybe less, but all the games he was available and healthy. He started Ed Oliver was actually a little bit more Kyer Elamy than I remember. He only started at seven games his rookie year. He never didn't get a jersey on game day when he was healthy, which is something new. But if you remember, there was a there was a period there in the first month or two, and he was the ninth overall pick where he was benched for Jordan Phillips, yeah. like in the starting lineup. And so this isn't something that doesn't have any precedent with this staff, but it is something that people were waiting and waiting and waiting for the bills to draft a first round cornerback opposite Trey white. And it's just been in a year where Stingley jr. Obviously has not been sauce Gardner, but he's played pretty, pretty good ball. Um, sauce Gardner has been absolutely explosive. And there's been even some other players like Alante Taylor, second round draft pick for the saints the other night, looking like an absolute rock solid stud. That sounded weird, but you get my point. Um, a good player. And so, I just think that people have seen spurts from Elam and now it's just about maybe wanting them, the the regime to trust them a little bit more. But I still think that my original take on this whole situation, and even if it's not by design, the scaling things back for a few weeks to let him catch his breath is not a bad thing. If that is the ultimate plan, then yes. Uh, But I want to see him get more acclimated, get some more opportunities uh, even if it's just playing 10, 15, 20 snaps per game behind Rhodes or 
uh, rotating in once or twice for white in game. By all means, do that. Get your first round pick out there. Get his feet wet because, you know, we're sitting here talking about the, the final stretch of the regular season. The Bills are going to need all the bodies uh, that they can get healthy guys come playoff time. And especially in the secondary, when you're going to be seeing teams, uh, possibly like the Dolphins who have weapons at receiver, the Chiefs, uh, the Bengals, you name it. That's going to be a, an important uh, a position of need. And the Bills need to know that they have guys that can play behind White, behind Rhodes, uh, behind Dane Jackson to a certain extent. I want to do a couple more things before we get out of here. Quick run through. We're going to bring AJ in here in a moment. Uh, quick run through some news. Not a lot of update yesterday injury-wise from Sean McDermott. I know some people were asking about Deion Dawkins. Uh, cool news that he is the Bills yeah. uh, pick for the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, award. Uh, so he'll be with the 32 other representatives from all the 32 or 31 other teams. Uh, and, and that's a very cool honor for him. He really took the social media today. He was, he was really excited about it. He does a lot of stuff in the community. I think his events around the holidays uh, in the summer uh, to give back to the community, what he's done uh, in the, in the wake of the top shooting. Uh, can't say enough about what Deion Dawkins does. Speaking of, you know, getting out in the community, Jordan Poyer today, Got a letter from a young man uh, in uh, at a local middle school and decided to not only send him a personalized video, but then go to his school and surprise him. Apparently, he's been uh, going through a rough time at school and told Jordan how much he kind of looks up to him and how much he gives him, puts a smile on his face, so on and so forth. So Poyer shows up at the school. Surprise them uh, after class. They have this big exchange. You can see uh, the video that's circulated on, on social media. Just an awesome, awesome story. The Bills do really a great job in the community and in all of those things. It's it's really great to see. Yeah, and Poyer calling the school about an hour ahead of time saying, hey, I want to come and see this kid. That was awesome. Um, great story. The kid cracked me up with uh, in the video saying, you know, why – Poyer, I said, why me and Allie, Josh Allen? He's like, Josh Allen's in the spotlight too much. <laughs> he said something right. along those lines. And, uh, you know, I, I he respects Poyer and likes Poyer's game. and uh, But good on Poyer. And, you know, what a, what a cool situation that turned out to be. Uh, that kid's never going to forget that. Not when he's uh, 22, 52, 72. This, that's going to be something that sticks with him for the rest of his life. Indeed. Uh, Marcus Stevenson uh, released today, but I think the idea is that they're going to try to get him back on the practice squad if he's not claimed. I mean, Ryan, it, it wouldn't shock me if he's claimed by some team looking for speed at the receiver position. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, if you go back and watch his tape from last year and going back and watching the Patriots game last year, he did not look great on special teams. So I don't know if anybody's crushing the tape and, and saying, hey, man, we got to find a spot for Marquez Stevenson on our, on our roster. But if they can get him back on the practice squad, that's a that's a nice you know tool to have in your back pocket as they kind of go through the season. And as they've been forced to watch Mr. Isaiah Hodgins go on to yeah. the Giants and really find a, a, a role there. And it's such a cool story. I, I just talked to him maybe a week before he was claimed off of waivers or off of the practice squad from the Bills and just talking about like before he got that opportunity to play for the Bills and, you know, just the excitement about a good training camp, a healthy training camp, and then the disappointment of getting cut at the end and having to go through that whole process again and now to see him having some success. And it's a really, that's one of those cool stories you root for, even if it's not for your team. Yeah, I had a touchdown mm -hmm. called back. Uh, then he then he scored another one that uh, stood. You, you felt happy. And, and like you said, you felt good for the receiver. It was a, 
uh, Stefan Diggs esque route, the way that he turned the defensive back around and got open on, create a little separation there near the goal line. Uh, in terms of Marquez Stevenson, it's it's always interesting this time of year. One, uh, it could be kind of like teams playing chess with the Bills. It could be one of their opponents that claim him, uh, trying to get a little bit. Not that he would have a lot of due diligence or knowledge. He's been on the IR uh, in terms of their game planning stuff like that. A bad team, though. If, I, if I'm one of the worst teams, if I'm high on that waiver order and I know that there's glaring holes on the roster, why not bring in Stevenson? You mentioned it, the speed. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that he was in the draft. They, they prob- Many teams probably interviewed him and, and have those files and folders in terms of their impressions and where they had him graded. So it's no sure thing that he's going to clear waivers, especially this time of year where uh, a lot of those really bad teams are more so in evaluation mode for uh, 2023 than they even are for right now. And they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, can we bring this player in? Can they be an asset to our roster? Can they start over player X, Y, or Z? So Stevenson could have a suitor uh, come come time here. Uh, I guess we'll know tomorrow. Would you rather pay Jordan Poyer or have OBJ on a multi-year deal? Elliot Eisler with the great comment. One of our regulars, our, our guy, Elliot, thank you so much. I would say for me, it's definitively Poyer because – I just, I'm not thrilled with the idea of a multi-year commitment to OBJ on its own because this is a league where number one, you found talent on day three at the position. You found talent at the position as a, um, a UDFA waiver claim from another team in McKenzie. Um, you've, you've, you've taken some swings late day and you know, when you, when you didn't do that, you went out and traded for a guy that you brought in and really even in free agency, the bills have hit on their receivers yeah. that they brought in what, what John Brown did, what Cole Beasley did and so on and so forth. Emmanuel Sanders, probably the lowest of that group, but he had a couple of nice games. I think he had two, two touchdown games in that uh, mix. I just think that Jordan Poyer, it's so funny to me because like with all the stuff around like COVID and the vaccine, and he's obviously very, you know, his opinions are out there on social media and his wife's obviously are as well for a guy that at times has been a lightning rod for, I don't know, like people talking about during that stretch of time about him being potentially a distraction in the locker room, dude, he has been anything but that. I, I think I came back at somebody on Twitter recently about that. It's like, I'm pretty sure that Jordan Poyer went throughout that whole COVID season knowing what everybody knows about his beliefs and things that he likes on Twitter and and things he's posted on Instagram and so on and so forth. He never made a peep about any of it. He comes in on a contract year, reports for camp, plays to start the season, doesn't hold out. Um, Obviously he's playing for a new deal, but I don't know. Like I, I think that there's an element to this that, and, and, and I'll be honest, I, I like Jordan Poyer personally. Like I think he's everything that he's done for the city of Buffalo, things like today that we don't even see, like things that you know he, that, that don't make the rounds on social media. Those are important things. And one of the things that I've always been struck by with Brandon and Sean in the way that they built this is really catering to the guys that have helped set, set the foundation for your franchise. And I think that Poyer is in a, is a, is in a handful of guys that have done that. And he's also playing at all pro level still. The Bills, what, 8-0 still now with him in the lineup? Uh, so I would definitively play Poyer. Yeah, I would pick Poyer as well in the landslide. Uh, you mentioned the record. You mentioned, though, what he brings to the locker room. He's loved in the locker room, loved by this coaching staff. And even though safety is one of those positions where 
I think teams kind of feel like it's almost like the running back of the defense where teams feel like they're a dime a dozen. It's not a dime a dozen when it's a combination like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde have been for the Bills over the years. Uh, They have really, even when the Bills are missing a lot of pieces on that defense, from year one, 2017, they turned that defense around. They showed uh, their importance. And even this year, without Hyde being back there for the majority of the season due to that neck injury, Poyer has really held it down, made big plays, almost had an interception in that Patriots game. Right place, right time, knocking down passes, making sure that uh, the players on the outside at cornerback, the players in front of him are all in position. He does so much for this defense uh, that I, I would, I think that the defense would really, really struggle, not just in the short term, uh, but in 2023 and beyond, if he's not out there, if they don't come up with with the, you know, the, the perfect answer. And I don't know what that is because Poyer is just a great fit for this defense. He's not showing any signs of slowing down, and he's certainly earned the uh, the right to hopefully get a new deal here in Buffalo. Let's go to bullpen. AJ Sabalski. What's up, buddy? Did I say it right? Yep. How you doing? I'm a righty, by the way. <laughs> You're righty? Do you yeah. throw heat or? I, say, I like you like the one that you were talking about, probably 60, 60, 55, 60. No, I was just being modest, dude. I, I can bring it at about 80. <laughs> all right. I, I believe you. No, I'm just kidding. I throw it. Um, all right. So I got a little segment I want to do. Um, I got four comparisons, two players each. Um, so eight players, eight players total, but each go two at a time. I'm going to read the stats for each player. Okay. okay. You're going to pick what player you would rather have based on their, their statistics throughout, like throughout this year through like, you know, however. These far. are 2022 player stats. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm going to go through each. I'll go like one comparison at a time. Wait, is one a Bills player and one's another player or? I'll tell you this. There's one with the Bills player in it. Okay. Yeah. Rick said that he, you gotta, you gotta get out of the club and improve I, your back. I, I do. I do. I, I do. I, Christmas is coming up. It'll be my Amazon wish list. Okay. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> um, so Debo or shoot, never mind. Forget that. All right, player A <laughs> has three thousand six total yards, twenty touchdowns total, and seven interceptions. And I threw QBR in there, fifty nine point six. I know I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Player B has three thousand sixty four total yards, nineteen touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a sixty point four QBR. So a little better QBR, a little more yards, one less touchdowns, and same amount of interceptions. Are there any rushing yards to throw into that? Yeah, no. so so uh, the player A had 2,200 yards and like 700 rush yards. Player B had 3,022 pass yards with 40 rush yards. Player A. Uh, Can you guess who player A would be? Off the top of my head, no, but I, I just feel like in today's NFL, the ability to – uh, pick up yards with your legs is, is something that makes it so much harder to defend. And, you know, the, the overall stats, the overall yardage is pretty much the same between the two. So maybe B is the better choice, but I, I like those players that have the versatility to do both. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll go next. So give us who the. Okay. So, so player A was Lamar Jackson. Player B was Jared Goff. So pretty similar statistics. Yeah. Pretty similar statistics. All right. Next one. Player A. 3,446 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, eight picks, and a 59 QBR. Player B, 3,339 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven picks, and a 56.6 QBR. These are QBs? 
QB is player A. I mean, player A, player B, yeah. I mean, what were the interceptions again? I don't know. You, my wife is, we need some visuals here because I can't retain this as you're just <laughs> telling me the stats. Go ahead. Well, my player A had one more interception. Okay. I don't know. I think the the funnest conversation we could have is like about your background because people are just going after it. <laughs> in the uh, they're wondering if you're about to have an alien induction. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, all right, we'll go with B. What are the uh, what are the what are the players? Burrow's first one, Herbert's second one. I was just I just like comparing those two because they're the same class. Because obviously, yeah, um, you know, a lot of people compare them too. So Burrow's had a better year. I, I was a big Herbert guy before the season, but I think Burrow's changed my mind in terms of his ability to win and um, you know his ability to beat Patrick Mahomes for three straight uh, you know times in a row. Ryan, I'll, I'll do one more. I'll do one more. Ryan. Player A has 777 total yards, four touchdowns. Player B has 665 yards and six touchdowns. Wide receivers. Player B is Gabe Davis. <laughs> oh. I'm, player B is play- I'm going player B then. Who, who right, is player A? Debo Samuel. Oh, never mind. Debo Samuel. Come on down. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a huge Debo Samuel fan. No, but how many games has Debo missed? Has he missed a couple games? Probably missed. Two, yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Gabe's missed two, I think. Two, yeah, yeah. And that's no knock on Gabe Davis for the record. I Debo Samuel is just a freak of an athlete that can win you games in a lot of ways. I thought last year specifically he, he did uh, a lot of really good things in in games where you didn't think that the 49ers could win, but he he carried them single handedly in in some of those matchups. What else you got, AJ? Baltimore Ravens or the Bengals win the AFC North? Bengals. Uh, I think Lamar's missing the next one to three games possibly, and, and that's not to say that they can't win without him, but I think the, the Bengals, one, are, are hitting their stride at the right time. Um, I, I like the way that they're playing more. I still have questions every now and then about Lamar Jackson and that offense where they, they allow teams to get back into games. The Bills game is the perfect example the Dolphins game before that. Um, so I, I think that the Bengals right now would be the team that I would choose. I can't remember who said it, but one of the talking heads on ESPN, I think said Lamar Jackson's about to throw up the deuces and say, I'm out for the season because he doesn't want to risk a, more of an injury. Like that, that's what he would do if he was in Lamar's spot, because obviously the contract negotiations this off season are going to be crazy. And this team looks bad with Lamar in it. Like I went back and looked at my earliest early season tweets and I had Lamar Jackson as my MVP through three weeks, which is why I won't be tweeting about MVPs <laughs> through three weeks next season. And he looks so good. And I watched all the Ravens games early and the way that the offense was clicking and the excitement around, you know, Rashad Bateman and man, that, that offense has been just putrid to watch. And I, and I do watch them a lot on red zone and other, and other watchbacks because I have Lamar Jackson on my fantasy team, so I I kind of keep tabs. And it's just not been good. And so, like, what is he even coming back for? Uh, I I think that even if they make a play at the playoffs, they remind me of a Tennessee Titans team from last year that's just going to get rolled with whoever they play. Because the the AFC is absolutely packed with killers. Like, there's not going to be any easy first-round matchups. And even if they win their division, which – theoretically they can do 
I think almost anybody below them, like a Miami, if they don't win, if the Bills don't win the division, like you name the team. I mean, even the Jets, I think, could go on the road and shut down that offense and win a 10 to 3 slugfest with Zach Wilson. Because guess what, guys? We may be on to Zach Wilson again after the Mike White versus Bills game, part due. Because if you all watch what happened last year, dude, I went back and watched this Jets Vikings game. And Mike White should have had like five interceptions in that game. Okay. So we could be on, we, we could be watching the sequel play out completely like it did a year ago. And, and Mike White's going to have to come to Orchard Park this time, which is probably going to be rough. Yeah. I think, I think the Jets missed the playoffs on um, yeah, schedule and, and stuff. I think they, I, that's why I think the Patriots came at the end of the year. If they can, if the Patriots can, can get in a roll, I know they play the Dolphins once and, I know the Jets and they play they still have three division games. So that game might mean something to the Patriots if the Chargers struggle down the stretch here. And even the Raiders are a team that could they're like you said earlier in the in the show, they're playing really good football right now. And Devontae's probably playing like you know, one of the best receivers in the league. Chandler Jones finally had a sack and they got a lot of talent. Josh Jacobs is having a career year. So if they can get it going too and get hot, they're another team if they, you know, went out could take take that jet spot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And even if the Patriots aren't playing for a playoff spot in that game that you mentioned, division teams always want to knock out their, you know, their competition in, in a meaningful game. We saw the Bills do that to the Dolphins, I think, a few times, the Jets a few times in those drought years. Uh, it still means something to those teams to be able to do that. So uh, even if they're not playing for something, I could see the Patriots really being up for that game to try to knock the Jets out of the playoffs if they're in the, the spot to make it at that point. We gotta wrap this thing up. I mean, Ryan Talbot before the show texting in our group chat and no no word from our from our uh tag team partner here for hours on end. <laughs> and all of a sudden he, he chimes back in 30 minutes before we start and he's like, Yeah, I fell asleep on the couch. So it's that time of year. I said it gets yeah. dark really early. You know, it, it's a struggle season. So anything else, AJ, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, where can I find uh, some food to eat the, this Sunday watching the Jets game? Oh, funny you should ask. The Carry Out Cafe at Tops Friendly Markets is open all the time. I actually don't know the exact hours of the Carry Out Cafe, but I'm pretty sure whenever Tops is open, you can go take it a visit to the Carry Out Cafe, which has hot-to-go fresh large and cheese and pepperoni pizzas, $14. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. The legendary breakfast pizza, a large is $20. Pizza or taco logs, six counts, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready-to-enjoy fan favorites. He's AJ. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We will see you on Friday. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.